You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. What is going on, East Point Church? How are you? I said, how are you? Good morning. That's better. Good to be with you. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, please, to the Psalms. We are going to be breaking down Psalm 1 this morning. And so I would like you to turn there so that we can hear what God has to say to us. And as you turn there, I want to show you this. This is called a kids growth survey. A kids growth survey. And so I have been receiving these for eight years. You see, my children are all born in Washington State. And so at every milestone of their life, I get a kids growth survey. And so they ask me questions like this, all right? When you ask your child to point to his nose, eyes, hair, feet, ears, and so forth, does your child correctly point to at least seven body parts? I don't know. Do they? All right. Gross motor skills. Be sure to try each activity with your child. Without holding on to anything for support, does your child kick a ball by swinging his leg forward? It's a great question. All right. They ask questions like this. Can your child jump forward at least six inches with both feet leaving the ground at the same time? At this point, I'm starting to feel a little bit intimidated, you know? I'm like, six inches? I don't know. It feels a little bit competitive, but I'll go with it. Does your child thread a shoelace through either a bead or an eyelet of a shoe? Now I'm just straight up insecure, you know? I'm grabbing my child and I'm just like, what is happening here, you know? Personal social. Does your child use a spoon to feed herself with little spilling? And I'm like, you're just targeting me. Like, you know all the things that my child cannot do here. And so they're not sending me this in the mail to make me feel insecure. They're not sending me this to make my children compete with my friend's children, though I did. They are sending me this because this, friends, is the picture of a mature human being. They are giving me traits. They are giving me metrics by which I should measure my child's growth and maturity, right? And so they give me these categories. Listen to this. All of those questions fall under six categories. Number one, assess your child's communication. Number two, assess your child's gross motor skills. Number three, assess your child's fine motor skills. Number four, problem-solving skills, personal social skills, and overall skills. Like, I don't know if my kid has a lot of skills, to be honest. You know what I mean? But this is the picture of a mature human being. Your child, your offspring should be increasing in maturity. They should be growing in their ability to perform these functions. And so these are simply categories. These are simply marks by which we can measure their progress and growth in life, okay? And so if you get one of those in a mail, it's not a test, all right? It will not take away your child if it can't jump six inches off the floor, unless they're 13, then we have a problem, all right? And so I just wonder, the same thing, if there was like, a growth survey, but not for your growth and development in life, what if there was a growth survey for your growth and development in the faith? 
Like, what if we could administer a growth survey, not for your fine motor skills, but to measure how are you growing, how are you progressing in your faith? As a follower of Jesus, I don't want to know about your gross motor skills or your fine motor skills or your personal social skills. The Bible gives us a picture of a mature follower of Jesus, and they give us these seven categories. Seven traits that should mark our lives in increasing measure. And as we come across these in the Bible, it becomes almost a sort of diagnostic, right? It becomes a way where we, as we progress in our faith, as we become increasingly intentional, we can say, Lord, how am I doing? Search me and know me, O God, right? Paul says, "Um, I have not attained it yet. I press on for the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God. I have not attained it yet, but let us hold on to what we have attained. And if in anything you are not mature, God will reveal that also to you. And so we know that as followers of Jesus, the more time that we spend with him, he changes us. He finds us where we are and he grows us. And every day spent in the presence of our Father is spent as a life of transformation. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to look through this. We're going to look at this growth plan, if you will. But today, we're going to focus on one, all right? Today, we're going to focus on one. And we come to the scriptures, and the Lord, he shows up to us, and he says, Hey, I could tell you about the first trait of maturity. I could describe to you what a mature follower of Jesus looks like, but I think I'd rather just show you, you know? The Lord, he grabs us by the hand and he says, I I just want to show you what this looks like in action. I want us to just take a walk. And by the time we get to the end of this walk, that's feeling good. Those are already laced up, ready to go. Way to go, right? He goes, by the time we get to the end of this walk, I'm going to show you what maturity looks like. By the time we get to the end of this walk, you're going to see what a mature follower of Jesus prioritizes with her life. And so would anybody like to take a walk this morning? You're like, I'm not wearing the right shoes. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, I want to go for a walk. Say it. All right, and now I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Come on, let's stand up. We're going to stand as we read our passage this morning. Do not walk out until after the sermon, okay? Some of you are like, I'm done already. No, no, no. We'll get there, all right? But we're going to stand out of respect and anticipation for God's word, but then also as a physical reminder, like, hey, I want to go for a walk. Are you ready? Let's start walking. We begin uh, Psalm uh, Psalm 1 beginning in verse 1, and it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, we love you. 
And we are anticipating, Lord, that you will speak to us this morning. So here we are. As we open up our Bibles, would you open up our hearts? Show us wonderful things from your word so that we can be changed and look more like Jesus. We love you, Father. May he receive all of the glory. We pray this in his name. And the church said, amen. You may be seated. All right, let's go back to the beginning of our passage here. And let's just break it down verse by verse. And let's see what God says to us, all right? Let's see what he says. Look how he begins. He goes, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so here we are. The Lord takes you by the hand, puts your arm in his arm, and we're walking. And he, and he pauses and he goes, the first thing I show you, the first thing I want you to see on our walk is that this road forks. And he says, listen to me, my child. The words of the living God are better than the ways of wicked men. The words of the living God, that way, is better than the ways of wicked men. And so we're listening here. The Lord, he begins with a pronouncement. He begins with a declaration. He says, blessed is the man. Blessed. Blessed is the man. To be blessed means that you are living life the right way. To be blessed means that you are successful in God's eyes, okay? And so when we see the word blessed, blessed is like like a spotlight, okay? I don't know, right? To be blessed, it's like a spotlight, and it's like the Lord comes along here, and he says, this is the way. This is is the design that I have created. This is how life is meant to be lived. And he knows because he's the designer. And the designer knows best. And so when we see the word blessed, he's saying, this will result in my nearness and in my rewards. This is the way that is right. This is blessed. And so this word is very helpful because often we find that the way that God calls blessed is not intuitive at all. Often this blessed way is actually countercultural. And so Jesus shows up and he stands up in the Sermon on the Mount and he said, Blessed are the meek. You're like, really? Yeah. Blessed are those who are spiritually poor. What? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And you're like, I would have never thought that was the right way. But the word blessed is saying, This is my design. And so the Lord, as we walk with him, he is casting a light on the way that he considers successful in his eyes. This is how the designer wants us to live. All right, so who is the, is the Lord shining a spotlight on? On which path is he spotlighting? What way of life, what lifestyle is he illuminating saying this is the way to live? Well, he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, the blessed man avoids the ways of wicked men. The blessed man avoids the ways of wicked men. You see, this man in Psalm 1, he has asked himself a question. He has considered a question that every single one of us in this room have asked before. Who are my people? Have you ever asked that? You're five years old, you walk in kinder care, And that's what you're saying. Whether or not you can articulate it on your growth survey, every five-year-old wants to know, who are my people? 
You go away to college, and it's your first day on the big campus, and you look around the quad and the cafeteria, and you just go, who are my people? First day on a new job. Ladies, it's your first time taking your kid to the park with other young moms all around, and you go, who are my people? You move into a new neighborhood, and you see people on the street. Who are my people? You see, friends, we know that as we build our life, as we forge a path for ourselves, we desire the wisdom that comes from counsel. We desire to belong to a tribe where there are other people who share our ways, whose convictions match our own, right? We all want there to be a table where we can pull up our seat and belong to, to say, these are my people. We all want this, but check it. We see here, blessed is the man. He says, the man who is blessed, the woman who is blessed is the one who doesn't look for these things here. Blessed is the man who, when they see the wicked, when they see those who reject God's ways and persist in their own paths of sin, they say to themselves, they are not my fountain of wisdom. These are not the counselors that I am standing with. I don't stand on their path. I don't roll in their ways. Those who mock God, I don't have a seat among them. If you were to go and ask the Psalm 1 man, he would tell you, hey, Those are not my people. I'm not about that life. Blessed is that man. Those who reject God's ways are not my counselors. And so where do you turn? Where do you look for wisdom? What tribe do you belong to as you try to build your life in a way that makes sense? Well, the Psalm 1 man, he would tell you this. His delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, friends, the blessed man is taking his cues, not from the ways of wicked men, but from the words of the living God. You see, the designer, the creator, he created humanity. He created culture. He created relationships. He created us to work. And so he knows how this thing is designed to operate best. And in his grace, he gives us the owner's manual. This is the design for your life. This is the design for your sexuality. This is the design for your work ethic. This is the design for relationships. This is the design for culture. This is the design for how I made you to work. And he has given us his word passed down through the ages, right? Inspired and written by the Holy Spirit, shared through the people of God. He says, here is how I created you to live. His word is life itself. And so blessed is the man who turns to these. Blessed is the man who says that this is the source of my counsel. These are the ways on which I walk. These are the values and the convictions upon which I'm going to build my life. This is life. Friends, and notice he is turning to the scriptures. He is running to these paths. Not in the way that some of you eat your broccoli. Right? It's like, ugh, turning the pages, right? It's like, Jack, what are you doing? Reading my Bible. Well, that sounds exhilarating when you put it that way, right? He's not coming to the Word with a begrudging legalism. 
He's not coming to the Word to check boxes on his reading plan. He's not just trying to maintain his app streak. No, no, friends. He is coming to the Word fully engaged in his head, his heart, and his hands. Look what it says. He runs to the Word. He runs with delight in his heart. He's eager to hear from God. He is eager for these ways. He loves them. He genuinely values them. This isn't broccoli to him. Yo, this is the ice cream. Delight. That's in his heart. But look at his hands, right? Look at the way that he has disciplined his hands and his habits. It says day and night he is in the practice of opening the scriptures. He wakes up in the morning and the first thing he does is, what is God going to say to me? He goes to bed at night and he opens and he says, Lord, even at night my heart instructs me. So speak to me. Imagine going to bed with that much anticipation, right? If I put God's word in my heart, even while I'll sleep, he'll speak to me. Look at his head. Look how fully engaged his head is as he meditates on it. He's chewing on it, pouring over it, studying, reflecting, thinking deeply, journaling. This is a man who knows that here he will find life. Here are the words of the living God. And so God comes and he shines a spotlight right here. He says, here is the blessed way. Here are my words and here is life itself. And so blessed is the one who walks in his ways. Blessed is the one who walks in his ways. Friends, who are your counselors? Where do you turn for life-shaping counsel and wisdom? What are the circles that you're running in right now that you are gleaning from them? What are the fountains of wisdom that you are drinking from the most? And I wonder if the author of Psalm 1 was here this morning, he would say to us, East Point, blessed is the man who scrolls not in the counsel of the wicked, nor subscribes to the podcast of sinners, nor posts from the seat of scoffers, but her delight is in the word of the Lord, and she turns to it day and night. Lord, make us a people who love your word with all of our head, heart, and hands. And God's people said, amen. So we're walking, right? And the Lord, he takes us, and he goes, all right, there's two roads. Let me tell you about that. And he goes, let's keep walking. And we walk a little bit further, and he says, let me tell you, let me show you what life is like for each of these people, okay? Let's look at what he says in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wind drives away. The Lord, he pauses us on this walk, and he shows us a couple of pictures in order to teach us that the strength of our lives is the water of the word. And so we're walking here, right? And he points and he goes, hey, do you see that tree over there? We're like, where? He's like, the big one. Oh, yes, I see it, Lord, right? And he says, the man who is pursuing God's ways, the man who is building his life on my ways, his life is starting to take shape. His life is is starting to take shape in a way. It is blossoming with such a beauty and a strength that I can only compare it to that tree over there. 
Because that tree is a picture of strength. That tree is a picture of stability. Its roots are burrowed deep into the earth. It shall not be moved. He says, if you were to hang around this tree, you would see in its season, it just, just the branches are heavy with fruit. Even when the sun is scorching, it's withering heat, its leaf does not wither. Friends, this tree is a picture of life and vitality and health. And you're like, wow, I, I see it now, Lord. And he goes, but look closer. Do you see why it's thriving? Can any of you here see the source of its strength? Do you see what this tree owes its fruitfulness and health to? Look at it closely. Look at the text. The key to its health is the location of the roots. It says this is like a tree planted by streams of water. The tree is thriving, friends, because it is rooted and established on the life-giving streams of H2O. I don't know why, but I have a book on trees, and I'm reading it. You know, And I'm usually just reading fiction. So my wife is like, do the trees talk? Like, are there monsters? Why are you reading a book on trees? I'm like, no, it's just fascinating. Do you know that a 100-foot-tall oak tree will drink 11,000 gallons of water per season? 11,000 gallons of water, and that is drinking deeply from the streams of water in order to flourish and stay alive. And in the same way, God is saying, blessed is the man who is building his life on the life-giving stream of God's word and God's ways. Blessed is the man who doesn't visit the word for an occasional sip and puts it back. Blessed is the man whose roots drink regular nourishment from the water of the word. Oh. And so we see this tree, right? And we see the roots. And we just know, friends, we know as human beings, how often are we tempted to extend the roots of our life into the riverbeds of wealth, into the riverbeds of success. Come on, we're people, right? We're real. How often do we extend the tendrils of our soul and we are reaching for entertainment? We want to feast on media. We drink from the streams of achievements and ambitions of our lust and of our appetites and our roots are reaching in all the wrong places. And God, by his grace, because he loves you so much, because he has saved you for so much, he points to the tree and he shines a spotlight on the way. He says, blessed are you who satisfy your soul by drinking from the words of the living God. This is the blessed way. And so we walk and he goes, that's what I'm calling you to. And then he turns our chin and he goes, and look over there. You see, in contrast to the tree, he says, the wicked are not so. Those who reject me, those who persist on being the captain of their own soul, those who are walking away from my way to that, to that way, he goes, they're not like a tree. As a matter of fact, they're more like chaff. Do you guys know what chaff is? Come on, and yeah, we're in Talbot County. I'm sure a lot of you guys, you know, we're familiar with farmer culture. For those of you who aren't, let me tell you what chaff is like. Chaff is like going to Five Guys Burger and Fries, Okay. And you order your food at the line, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
And they always ask me, do you want one patty or two? I'm like, what kind of question is this, right? Two patties, stat. I actually scream sometimes as I walk in and go, two patties, just like help them get it faster, you know? But you sit down there and you're waiting for your number to be called. And you know what they have there at the table, right? Peanuts. Some of y'all are allergic to peanuts and you've never been in a five guys. And I pray for you every day. Every day. And you're like, I know it's a death trap. But listen, if there's a way to go, oh, if there was a way to go, I'd go out on five guys. Anyway, so you're sitting there at the table, you know, and, you, and they have these peanuts. And you can't just eat one. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you're like oh, let's just be polite. And then your eyes get wide, like, okay. And before you know it, there's just a mound of peanut shells all around, you know? That's chaff, all right? Imagine, like, your kid is sitting there, and then you start, like, smashing all the peanuts on the table. And so mixed into the peanut shells, you have the the actual peanut, peanut surrounded by shells. That's how it was. When they were breaking down the grain, they would smash all the grain, and they would be left with the head of grain and the shells, right? The wheat and the chaff, the peanut and the shells. And so I used to think, man, imagine that guy's job who had to get on his hands and his knees and just pluck it. 141, 142, that would be forever, right? They're still there in Israel plucking grain from like thousands of years ago. But this guy invented this really cool thing called a winnowing fork. And so here's what they would do. They would stand out in a field, right? And they would take this winnowing fork and they would get a shovel full of wheat and chaff and they would throw it up in the air. And the wheat, the heads of wheat, because it's substantial, because it's heavy, it would fall to the ground. There's our peanuts, right? But you know what the chaff would do? The same thing that when you blow a dandelion. It just floats away. And so there's a little bit less chaff. And then they do it again. Shovel suit. And it would just blow away on the gust of wind. And you do that enough times before you know it. You're left with, like, the good stuff. And all the chaff is in your neighbor's yard. It's perfect. And so the Lord is saying here, he says, in the same way, a life that is built apart from our creator's word is flimsy. A life that is built rejecting God's ways is empty. There's not a weight to it. There's no strength to it. And when the winds of life blow, that oak tree will not be moved, but the chaff will be carried away by the wind. That's what it's like when we try to live apart from our creator. That's what it's like when we, when we see God's blessed way as a nice suggestion. And we go, ah, that's cool, but these are my people. Those are my ways. These are my counselors. And it's almost as if the Lord on this walk here, it, it's almost as if he's turning to those who are rejecting his ways. And, and it's almost like he's just saying, like, how's that working out for you? How's it going? There are many people in this room that can tell you, friends, how it was working out for them. Many of us in this room can tell you what it was like when we try to follow God, when we try to follow life our own way and reject God. And if you ask any one of them, they'll tell you chaff is a pretty good explanation. How's that working out for you, he says. God comes to people whose leaves are withering, whose branches are dry and cracking, those of us who feel fruitless. And in his grace and kindness, 
he calls us to the source of life. And he says, come and drink deeply from the streams of living water. Stop trying to produce fruit. Stop thinking that if you work harder, you can pop out some fruit. Stop thinking that if you just grind harder and push longer and move faster, that you can make it work. It's like chaff. Come and rest in what I've given you. The words of life. His word revives us. And so blessed is the one who walks in his ways. Blessed is the one who walks in his ways. And so we're walking. We're walking. And so we've seen the fork in the road. We go, that's cool. We keep walking. And he goes, you see the tree? I see the tree. He goes, you see the chaff? Yeah. He goes, all right, well, hey, I want to hurry this walk up along. And so I want us to just fast forward now. And now we're going to run. You're like, Lord, I can't run. He's like, put on your shoes. We're running. We're going to run to the end of the path. We're going to fast forward to the end of the lane, and we're going to see where these roads lead. Are you ready? Let's walk a little bit faster here. Verse 5. He says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We fast forward to the end. We come to the end of the road, and the Lord says to us, The end of our days will reveal the end of our ways. The end of our days. At the end of time, we will know just how quality those paths were that we took. And so we fast forward here, and it says to the judgment. The judgment. Have you ever been to court? Yeah. Have you ever, I'm not even going to tell you what I was speeding. Never mind. Um, Me neither. Uh, but you go to Judgment Day here, and in the, in the scriptures, we get this picture. We get this picture of God sitting on his throne. We get this picture of a courtroom. And at the end of time, he will raise his gavel, and he will make some pronouncements. He will make, he will give a verdict over the ways of humanity. And in that moment, he will make it clear. In that moment, all rationalizing and justifying is gone. In that moment, he bangs the gavel and he says, this was right, this was wrong. Decisive clarity. A decisive verdict. This is how I designed life to be lived. This was not how I designed life to be lived. As a matter of fact, let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. This is what it says. John, the revelator, he sees this vision. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so God is standing here, right? And in that day, he points to the way of wickedness. And he says decisively to those who rejected his design, he says definitively, this was wrong. Injustice was not my way. 
Selfishness was not my way. Dishonesty was not my way. Sexual immorality was not my way. Taking advantage of those who couldn't defend themselves was not my way. And he makes it clear. This was a way that has led to death. And then he turns and he points to the way of righteousness. And he says, now this way, this is the way I know. This was the design that I created in that garden. This is how life was designed to be lived. And in that day, friends, the laughter of the mockers, the laughter of the scoffers will perish forever as God vindicates and verifies, this is my way. Blessed is the one who walks in his ways. What a walk. What a walk. And so we started off this walk, and we see that there's two roads. We go, all right, we get that. We, we see the tree. We go, that's beautiful. You guys felt inspired at the tree. You saw the chaff, and you go, ooh, okay, that's a sobering reminder. And then we get to the end of that walk. And we're not sure how we feel right now, are we? You see, we sit down, we get ready to take off our walking shoes, and we go, all right, Lord, um, thanks. And he goes, what's wrong? What's wrong, child? Did you not enjoy this walk? And you have a moment, you have an opportunity to be honest. And you said, actually, Lord, I feel a little bit anxious right now. Actually, Lord, as you were showing me the judgment seat, my, my blood pressure was feeling a little bit faster, and I, and I just, I, I don't actually feel good right now. And he goes, why is that? And he's smiling as he asks you. And he said, because I have to be honest. I don't think I would stand in the congregation of the righteous on judgment day. He said, I gotta be honest, Lord. I, I just, I think that even on my best day, that even in my best efforts, that even when I'm most disciplined, even when I try my hardest, I look more like the wicked than I do the righteous. I got to be honest, Lord, like I, I want to pump my fist and celebrate on a crescendo of like, yay, judgment day. But your boy doesn't feel very good right now. And the Lord says, put down your shoes. Let's take one more stop. And we walk and we're standing there at the end of the lane. He goes, let's turn this way. And we walk and he shows us another tree. And the tree is standing on a hill called Calvary. And from this tree, we see a man hanging. We go, Lord, is he one of the wicked men? Is he the one perishing right now? Is, are you showing me what's going to happen to me? And he says, no, that is not the wicked man. That's the blessed man from Psalm 1. And he perfectly never walked in the counsel of the wicked. He never stood in the way of sinners. He never sat in the seat of scoffers. And we go, Lord, then why is he perishing? Why is he dying? It's not fair. He says, I know it's not fair. It's love. For the righteous one is standing where the wicked deserve to stand so that we who are wicked could stand in the congregation of the righteous. You see, the man hanging on the tree was Jesus Christ and he comes, friends, and he takes the place of the wicked because, spoiler alert, we are all wicked. And so that what you're feeling at, in your heart at the end of that sermon of like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm righteous. No, you're not. None of us are. None of us can do in and of ourselves what Psalm 1 calls you to do. 
And all of the honest people of God said, Woof! I was getting nervous. You see, Jesus came and he died in the place of wicked men so that wicked men could stand in the congregation of the righteous. And all who come to the man hanging on the tree, he gifts you his righteousness. He clothes you in the purity and perfection of his son so that way when we do stand on judgment day, When we do stand before our creator, we can have confidence there is no condemnation, not because I'm the man, but because I'm with him. We have confidence that the Lord accepts us into his family, not because I read my Bible enough, not because I did enough good things, not because I'm connected to his mom and her cousin and her third, because I know Jesus and I'm connected to him. If you're here this morning and you want to have the confidence that you could stand on judgment day free of condemnation, free of anxiety, dare to believe that he is that good. Dare to believe that he loves you enough and he is full of mercy so much so that he will take your place willingly and give you his. If you believe that, the Bible calls that faith. And so no matter how wicked you are, No matter how many bad things we've done, no matter how many times we've fallen short, we have the confidence, I am a child of God, and he loves me. The blessed man, the perfect Psalm 1 man, he comes and he clothes you in his righteousness. He puts his righteousness on you. And you know what else he does? He then puts his spirit in you. And so Christians, hear me, if you are connected to Jesus, you can and you should root your life in the word of God. You can, by the spirit of God inside of you, who rose Jesus from the dead and is now animating and bringing to life the dead parts of your life, you can experience the blessing of being rooted in God's word. You can experience the blessing of living like that tree. This is a call to become more and more every day by the Spirit who resides in you as you listen to the voice of the Spirit. When you are walking on your life, you know what the Spirit is doing in your heart every day? This way, this way, this way, this way. And every day that we walk, not to, do, not to gratify the desires of our flesh, but to gratify the desires of the Spirit, every day we're looking more and more like the blessed man. Every day we're looking more like Jesus, who perfectly delighted in the law of the, in the, the, law of the Lord. Root in the word. Prioritize the scriptures. Plant in your life by streams of living water. And as you do it, friends, we will look more and more like Jesus. He's placed his righteousness on you. He has put his spirit in you so that you can grow as a person who prioritizes the word of God. And as you do that, as I do that, day and night, meditating on his word, we will look more and more like Jesus and the world around us will say, he is beautiful. They'll give him glory because blessed is the one who walks in his ways. Father, we love you, Lord. We just can't help but just extend thanksgiving, Lord. You have saved us. God, we are all wicked. We all fall short. 
and you love us anyway. Father, I thank you that because of the work of Jesus, there is no condemnation. There is no fear of judgment. There is no anxiety regarding future punishment. We are children, and on that day when we stand there, you'll be reading out of the book of life when you say our name because of Jesus. And so, Lord, would you change us, grow us into a people who walk in your ways. Lord, grow us into a people who prioritize the word of God, not for our own achievement, not out of a sense of arrogance and pride. We don't want to master your word. We want to be mastered by your word, Lord. Change us and shape us to look more like the perfect blessed man, your son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray these prayers, Lord, in his name. We pray these prayers in confidence, knowing that when we say, Father, that you turn your attention to us and you hear us because we're your children, because you see Jesus. Be glorified in our lives, Lord. I pray for this community. Lord, there is so much dead religion, so much tradition that floods the airwaves. There are so many people that when they think about God, they think about, well, I can't do this and I shouldn't do that and I can't. And they're just filled with condemnation. They see your word as a message of condemnation. And Lord, right now, I pray that from this pulpit, that from this community of followers, that the clarion call of the gospel would shine, that it would go forth, and that people would hear the music of grace, that they would say, wow, this is an invitation to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, and that they would run to the tree, that they would taste of the tree of life. Let your gospel be clear. Let your message of hope ring forth in word and in deed, from the community of people known as East Point Church. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.